0: Welcome back to Jump Scare. I'm Betty. And I'm Shad. This week we cover Fear Street Part 1, 1994. Dude, what the hell? This is exactly why you have no friends. Look,
1: some gal killed a bunch of people at the mall last night. Holy shit. Another Shadyside tragedy. It's narrative, right? Sarah, fear's that. Oh, Christ, not you two. There's no angry dead witch. The only thing that made him go crazy is this town. The dude was wearing a Halloween skull mask. How is that not fun? <laughs> Guys, I think there's someone in the woods. <laughs> oh, <laughs> We're together for one night and dead people are trying to kill us. Maybe we are doomed. She was so sexy but so crazy. Normal bitches don't bleed black blood. How do we not die? I'm looking at you, witch nerd. You can't stop it.
0: This is a bonus episode uh, because of the release of Fear Street, which when I hear that something that I loved growing up is coming out, I'm dead inside. I'm like, meh, low, low expectations because then if it's good, I'm like, okay, that was pretty good. I have yet to experience something that I truly love that's being made into a film Or being remade. I shouldn't even say being remade. (coughs) That's just going to be made. And it comes out to be something that I actually like. This is not an example of that. And I just want to preemptively say that Shad is feeling a little under the weather.
1: If you can't tell by the weird voice.
0: And the constant coughing every five seconds. But he's going to make it through.
1: I'm going to make it. So this movie had had low expectations for it. And it still managed to disappoint.
0: Yes. That's how low that it was. Low expectations, but yet now they're low expectations that have someone that took a shit on them. Okay. So it's it's that bad for me.
1: Yeah uh, i uh, I've got things to say too. But I'll let you start off.
0: Well, you know, let's start off with let's throw this out. Let's get this out of the way. The majority of people let let's just say we're we're living in twenty twenty one someone is always going to be mad. Okay, dot, dot, dot. And in this case, it has to do with the music, some of the music used in the
1: film. Oh, you mean when they dropped a new song every 30 seconds that was like, oh, here's a needle drop you'll recognize. It reminded me of the South Park thing. We're like, remember Star Wars? Remember how it made you feel? (laughs) They keep dropping these 90s songs like, hey, remember the 90s? remember how cool it was back then
0: from the beginning of the movie till 13 and like 20 seconds in 13 minutes and 20 seconds in they play six fucking songs six songs okay that's insane to play that many songs mind you they're not full songs they're clips long enough That you are like, okay, the longest one is the opening of Closer by my favorite band, Nine Inch Nails, which you're going to open a movie with that. I was just like, what? Which I already saw because of like last week sometime.
1: They released like the first five minutes
0: of it. And of course I had to watch the first five minutes, which I was like, okay, this is, this is okay.
1: This is, this is Scream. You opened up the Hollywood copy machine. And you put in the script for Scream, and you spit out these first five minutes.
0: Okay, first, okay, we're gonna we're gonna touch base on that. We're gonna touch base on the Scream thing. Let's go by the, the the songs. Rob Zombie's "More Human Than Human," and also "Garbage," "Only Happy When It Rains." They both came out in 1995. This movie. Don't know if you if if you've seen it. Maybe you put Netflix on. Maybe you heard at the beginning of this podcast set in. Nineteen ninety four, okay. Specifically, they could have just said the nineties, but they they won in nineteen ninety four, which was a pretty good year for music. I, I will rock music. I have to say, it was a pretty pretty good year. Then they also use Prodigy's Firestarter that came out in nineteen ninety six. So they went two years into the future for this one. At least the other one was like, okay, it's nineteen ninety five. Those three songs, all the rest of the songs used are. 1994 and then back backwards. So it doesn't bo- it bothered me but it doesn't bother me. It bothers me because like you said, they drop it one bang 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 for nostalgia reasons. It doesn't really move the story, you know. That's like a girl looking out the window and it's raining and then you hear I only happy when it rains. Like do we need do we does that something that we need? We don't need that.
1: <laughs> it's just Netflix has a very large music budget and they can just get everything that they want. So this is every song that this person ever wanted to put in a movie. Somehow they managed to squeeze it in the first 15 minutes.
0: Now, for those of you that may or may not have been alive during this time frame. But when Sophie Coppola's Marie Antoinette came out, that movie got ripped an asshole in its own way because this is predating kind of like how social media is now the movie is filled with musical and historical inaccuracies but one that's what makes the film and the reason why it works in that film is because she did it in a way that created like a new narrative level like she wrote and directed that film kudos to you my friend because to this day, people are still talking about the soundtrack. They love that soundtrack and the score. The score obviously is set more in during its time. Um, but this movie, no. It doesn't do anything for the story. It doesn't, It' there's no like really thinking behind it. It's just like, hey, remember, like you said, the nostalgia thing. So let's just get that out of the way. And then the AOL font. Whatever. I just, we're, I just wanted to. Those are the main two things that people are like, whatever. My things are more. Why this is the main thing that gets me, and it gets me every fucking time. You have over a hundred books that Auro Stein has written. Okay, in the Fear Street universe, not one, not ten, over a hundred. Okay, or a hundred, and you choose to not use any of the stories. You choose to just randomly fucking pick things here and there from these novels. You already have the rights. I'm sure, obviously, it's named Fair Street. So, and he is more than willing, I'm sure. I mean, they did all those Goosebumps movies. You could have done something. But you decided to do the sad ass old fucking tale of it's a witch that's coming back to act for revenge. Dots Like, why? I've seen that movie already. So many fucking times. You could have chosen anything. Especially in the Fear Street, like, Saga universe, which is more gory than the regular Fear Street, which is already on another level because it's not Goosebump. Go- Goosebump was, like, there were, like, a few deaths in the Goosebump universe. <laughs> but it was for kids. This was in the YA. but Before it was YA. It was in the teen section, you know? So they had plenty to work from and they decided to just use that story, which that whole thing is before, before I get into my, my creep, this is going to be another craft episode. If you listen to the, uh, the craft episode that we did, uh, craft legacy, um, I'm, I'm feeling, I'm feeling that kind of way. So Shad, I'm going to give you the, the mic. Is there something you would like to add?
1: Well, I never read any of the Fear Street books. I worked at a bookstore during the time that the Fear Street, Goosebumps, Animorphs, all that kind of stuff was super popular. And I saw a lot of the covers for it and that kind of stuff, but I couldn't tell you one book from the other. I, I know they were very popular, but it never clicked to me, obviously, because I was already in my 20s at the point that those came out, so they weren't really hitting me very hard. But I can see from the movie that they just took a lot of things that they're like, oh, hey, we're going to copy the Scream for the opening. This is going to be the same kind of thing with Scream. We're going to even have the killer darting around in a hooded costume. It, there's I no, agree
0: and disagree with your comment.
1: <laughs> there's no way that they didn't be like, hey, let's take Scream and just amp it up a little bit, put a little bit more gore in it than what was normally already there. But, you know... So the opening itself kind of got me. I was like, oh, this is what we're going to do. We're going to just put it in the copy machine and spit out a uh, copy of it. Okay. So
0: this is why I disagree with you. So the beginning, if you have read the novels and you can like pick out, okay, this is what's going on. The beginning... The opening of the film is a nod to the novel, which she does have in her hand. I think that's the novel that actually saves her from getting... Set. Well, spoiler alert. There's spoilers. Let's... Woo, woo, woo. This is a spoiler cast. I'll
1: put that in the comments.
0: Um, it's a nod to the novel that came out in 1990 called Wrong Number, which is years before Scream came out. Before there was even a thought of Scream. I'm sure Kevin Williamson, maybe he wrote this novel. Who knows? But, and it's not mad similar. It's, this is the premise. There's uh, prank calls that go wrong and murders start happening in Fair Street. And that's it. Like, that's literally where it ends. so you kind of get some of that in the wrong number. Like when she's like picking up the phone and it hangs up, you know, and then her friend is pranking her. That's kind of not to that, not scream per se. I wouldn't say it was scream. You, you obviously, if you've seen the, the movie Scream, you're gonna say that's what it is. But that that whole thing is definitely a nod to that novel, and there are similarities <laughs> um, to the Scream. So I, I, that's why I said I agree and disagree. There's also the white skeleton outfit, the white skeleton mask slash whole outfit. That is from the literally the front cover to his other novel that came out like 1993 of Halloween 2. That's the name of the the book, Um, which it has three characters in the front. They're all dressed literally in the same costume that that character is wearing. So that's a nod to that novel, which... Kinda is similar to Scream because it is a black hooded figure with a white face. Um, so you you get that. There's also the whole, and this is where it goes into the whole Scream thing, the whole like garage store, front store struggle with her going under, um, mm-hmm. you know, the, the door, like similar to
1: the gate that seals off the stores in the mall.
0: Exactly. Similar to the garage scene from um, the first Scream movie. The stab run from behind. Where he's running, yeah, she's, was, that was, that was so, like, that was Scream, definitely. That was like, okay. Not, Even to
1: the point where she pulls the mask off of the killer. I,
0: yes, I was literally gonna say that. And also the fact that it was someone she knew and someone that she trusted. So those are all very scream mask. And this is the other disappointment. I know this is like the second film that Leah Janik, who wrote and the screenplay <coughs> for this film and also directed the film. Um, I understand it's your second movie, but I mean, man, you're like in your 40s. You could. I know you read those Fear Street novels maybe it's a studio thing. Who knows? I don't know what happened there. I never, I, you know, I'm never going to know unless someone's going to go out and say, yeah, we fucked up. We should have, we should have just done one of his fucking novels because his novels wouldn't be like the top selling novel to this day, that whole series. Mind you, he has a lot of books, but it's like, it's gross, like $80 million in its time frame. It's up there. You know, obviously he did something right. It's not like you would have chosen a novel and it would have been a shitty fucking novel, you know? And they're kids' novels. I mean, mind you, yes, nowadays you're like, oh, Harry Potter. Maybe you're not a Harry Potter fan. You don't give three fucks about Harry Potter. You think it's the worst fucking thing written. But obviously that even goes back and can be totally influenced by Lord of the Rings or any of those, you know, fantasy novels that came out way before Harry Potter. So it's like, there is something there, but you chose to do this. And that's what's disappointing to me big time um you could have put more of a creative thought and making it really your own movie your own movie in a sense of you know obviously the way you directed the film and then the screenplay you wrote but you decided to just use tropes and things we've seen before from other movies and not making it your own but i know that you kind of married to one of the duffer brothers and that's what they did with stranger things is a ripoff or homage, whatever you want to say to the whole Steven Spielberg thing. So maybe that's how you're rolling. <coughs> that obviously, um, is there, uh, so we're not going to like literally go scene for scene for the thing, but, um, is there something probably anything stand out to you in that first part of the film? No, I, I, you know, the other thing is this, when you watch this film, you're going to know right off the bat these films all three of them are going to be the underlining thing is going to be this seraphir character. Seraphir is a witch. So obviously something happened, she mad, she coming back for revenge and sending through like fucking time and whatnot uh, reanimating killers. Like, in in possessing them re- through adi- reanimation, and they're coming to, like, kill this one chick that's in the movie. We don't know why. It's, she got on her shit list, basically, but they don't really... They haven't really said exactly
1: why. Well, they did. They said that she, when they were in the little car accident, she accidentally uh, desecrated her grave. And that she had, at the same time, she had a nosebleed. So she, like... Bled down into the grave and touched her, the blood, t- her blood touched the bones. And that's why it kind of zeroed in on her to come after her because it, she desecrated her grave. Oh, okay. But what they haven't explained yet is why the other character in the show also simultaneously had a nosebleed. Yes. Are they going to turn out to be somehow related or what's going on? Well, we
0: don't know I think the second story, and this is a sign of the times, um, the couple is a young, you know, there are two girls who are in love. You know, and they're having their little teenage romance, and I think their love is gonna transcend time, and we're gonna see them back in sixteen sixty whatever it is, sixty six, and of you know, of course it's
1: sixty six. That way you can have six 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 in there.
0: Of course, because you know witches are evil. Ha ha ha! Hilarious. Never Hollywood's never fucking said that before, and that's what's happening there. So I'm sure that's gonna play into it somehow. Whatever. Um, the Seraphir character is a nod to the Fear Street sagas, which are about the origin of the Fears and how the family line got cursed. Now, the Fears kind of accused a mother and daughter, the Goods, um, that they were witches and they were burned at the stake, but they actually were innocent. And the husband and father, William Good, curse the fears to avenge his wife and daughter's death that's what happens in the fear street sagas that are about the fears and the goods then later on there's like a whole <coughs> romance thing we're gonna break the curse by like a fear and a good getting together and getting married but oh shit shit burns down and you know shit goes awry but that whole character is of like a nod to and kind of obviously. Uh, twisted thing because it's, the fears are evil, but they weren't the ones doing the witchcraft. Well, pers- it's the good, but they do also have a nod to those novels as well because the sheriff and the brother of Shady Side, the mayor, is William Good and Nick Good. Nick Good is the sheriff. So they have the goods in there too. We don't really know what their role is going to be. If anything, it just might be, they're just using the name. And that's it. And be like, if you're someone that read the novels, oh, shit, it's the goods, you know, because they're a predominant family in the town. And then you're like, oh, my God. Um, but I, I, I could have done without this whole movie. I, I actually, I could have done without any of them. I haven't seen the other two, but I'm sure, like, whatever. I'm going to tell you a little bit about the second one.
1: <laughs> well, here's my question. Was well, she brings these, like, killers back that have killed people in the past in the town. And she brings them back, but are they ghosts? Are they zombies? Like, they can be harmed a little bit. Like, you can shoot them, and it'll slow them down. You can blow them up, and they'll blow apart, but then they just go back together. So, like, what exactly were they supposed to be? Were they ghosts? Were they zombies? Did she
0: possess them, and that's why they went crazy? And has she been possessing... These people, because literally the town has had a history, which they show kind of in a scream slash uh, H2O kind of fucking opening of the film, where they're showing articles and things. They actually show you, if you slow down and just pause in some parts, they actually kind of tell you what's going to happen in the movie. So try not to pay too much attention, because they go into specifics like... um the mall killings, what happens, The like things that happen in the film you're going to watch is in the opening of that film. Um, and then clues to the other things they talk about later on. Uh, but yeah, who knows? Maybe she's the one that has possessed all these people for like the last fucking hundred plus years and has some work to do because we're going to move forward. We're going to move all the way to the ending of the movie um, just to add to this you see in a scene she has, like, this huge, like, rock that she's, like, a, I'm talking about, like, a Stonehenge kind of thing where she has people's names carved in there. It's her.
1: all the people's names that have been killers over the yeah, years. Yeah,
0: like, her shit list. Like, I've possessed you. You're doing my bidding. You're my bitch now kind of thing. Um, So maybe that's her thing. We just don't know. That's what I meant by, like, we just don't know what her real motive is. And how did the other ones I I doubt and that would be just fucking ridiculous if every single person that she's possessed has desecrated her bones. Like move her fucking bones. Like one is someone putting it in the ocean. Like why why people putting it in a shallow ass part of the fucking forest? Come on, guys. Come on. Um <laughs> But nothing stands out. I would say the movie was very boring. And and it 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 does have that kind of like Oh, I'm trying to have a backstory to each character, you know and do did I connect with any of the characters?
1: Uh, uh, I know I did. none of them were special. They're all just kind of stock types. You've got the nerdy kid maybe that's on the, on the nerdy computer. kid the nerdy kid he was probably the most likable one of the group. I
0: would say yes, he was the most likable. Then they have like these two people the, the these two kids that are like pharmaceutical drug dealers that was a weird thing to have on those
1: kids i just didn't well, those lines in the movie did didn't make any sense like they say at one point like oh we're gonna take her to fill her prescription from the hospital then they go to the closed pharmacy wouldn't the people in the town be like hey where are you gonna fill this prescription all the pharmacies are closed the only drugstore in town is closed where, where are you going to fill this prescription
0: yeah it's not a big-ass town there's like one mall in this whole fucking town
1: yeah, so this is like, you know, and
0: it's a poor town.
1: You're in Mayberry, and you're you know you're gonna go like, oh, I'm gonna go over to the to the one pharmacy here and fill it. Oh, it's after five; they're definitely closed.
0: I don't know. There was a lot of things that were, and then and then it's just like, oh, we gotta make sure you're aware that this is in the '90s, so. We're going to have a girl wearing a plaid dress but with a shirt underneath. And it's like anything you could buy now at fucking Forever 21 because, you know, the 90s are back and in style. So it's like everyone that's watching the movie that was not alive from, you know, (coughs) 2000, 2000 back is gonna be like oh people are, that person's wearing clothes i'm wearing now like that's not a 90s thing that's like a now thing you know and yeah, then like the had... see-through phone like oh i have a see-through phone that was like the big thing in the 90s oh my
1: god <laughs> yeah because if you just took the like if all you had to do was just have somebody pull out a cell phone occasionally this could have easily been set in today
0: yes there's nothing besides the you know the songs they played throughout the
1: film. Which they could have just dropped those songs in there and said, hey, one of the kids is really into 90s music. Boom, done.
0: Oh, there's a Walkman. I forgot there's also a Walkman. That... Oh, of
1: course, because everybody in the 90s was still carrying their Walkman around.
0: Yeah, that's that was a thing. Now let's talk about, let's just touch base because it does kind of carry over. The film carries over as it has to because they're all connected into the next film, which is Fear Street 1978. This is
1: going to be a riff on Friday the 13th.
0: Yes. I I didn't even need to tell you anything because, you know, but woo, <laughs> it's actually the only one, uh, the only movie out of the three that's closest to an actual Fear Street novel. Um, This one is loosely based off Lights Out. Um, where the setting is in uh Camp Nightwing, and that film is uh, this film like you kind of see it is totally um uh, it is totally Fire the Thirteenth. What gave you that impression?
1: Just from the clips that they showed, it was you know you see like a quick sex scene you see everybody running around the camp in the you know the old time camp wearer and you've got the killer running around with an axe they don't want to give him a knife just because that's too close to Jason so they've got him with an axe going around but it was obvious when you see it you're like oh this one they're doing Friday the 13th
0: yeah in the uh, novel that came out lights out in 1991 it is uh, Camp Nightwing It's it's the classic story the camp is not doing well. I'm gonna reopen the camp and I hope it does well, but oh no, alas, people are dying. <laughs> and oh shit. You know Just like
1: the last time we opened it, all these murders happened.
0: Yes, but I'm gonna take it even I'm gonna take even a step further, okay? Now mind you, this this novel, like I said, it did come out in nineteen ninety one. Obviously, Friday the thirteenth came out way before this. So Arlstein yeah. had must have been somehow um touched by this thought the simple storyline of the lights out it's a revenge story of a sister avenging her brother's death who died at camp in a boating accident oh that's not
1: familiar at all
0: yeah that's literally the premise of that that novel so of course they're gonna do a Friday the 13th because you already have that story from the lights out and the Fri which was Obviously, very Friday the Thirteenth to begin with. Then you're gonna make it a, a an actual movie. You're gonna put him in overalls, put a fucking burlap over his head, and there you go. You got your killer. So no thinking in that whatsoever. Just like okay, and the camp Nightwing. Obviously, that's the same name of the <coughs> camp that they're using. Um, now we don't know what the story is because, like I, you know, they've showed little things here and there. We don't really know right now. Um, exactly what's going to happen. But yeah, that's the one that's the closest. I also want to go back and... Yeah, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I I, I see the face. I want to make clear. Earlier, I talked about the... Uh, in this 1994 film, the mask, the skeleton outfit that the character is wearing, that is not from a Fear Street novel. That is from a novel that is written by R.L. Stein and that must have been an, a nod to they wanted something cool looking cuz it is very cool looking um before R.L. Stein went off and started the whole fear street thing he actually was part of a group of writers um scholastic had a imprint and the imprint was called point horror and those no, those novelists uh, Christopher Pike, Arl Stein, I mean, there's like a shit ton of them. They all wrote under that imprint, and they were horror books for teenagers. Years later, kind of like in the mix, that then he kind of went away from the point horror, and then Scholastic, which is obviously Scholastic, so Scholastic was like, we don't have to have an imprint of this, we're just gonna just... That's it. We're just going to start making fucking books. Then all of those other books came out. So it's not a Fear Street novel. I don't want the R.L. Stein lovers out there to write and send me crazy things of my inaccuracy. So I just wanted to make that clear. I meant R.L. Stein novel, not Fear Street novel. The end. But the look of the the character I love it because when you see it you're like oh my god it's like you've seen those novels and B. Dalton is an actual bookstore was an actual bookstore it's not a made-up store Cause if, imagine you're I don't know 22 you know and you're watching this movie or you're 15 and you're like oh bookstore like do they even know what bookstores are <laughs> there's not this it's not like there's a lot of them left Barnes and Noble's the only one that I think is the only one that's a real uh I should see a chain of bookstores. Obviously there's independent, you know, ones throughout the country, but B. Dalton was an actual bookstore, like Walden books, you know. And and, and it kinda kinda did look like that. It was cool to see like the mall. And I, I get where people are like oh with Scream meets Stranger Things. I don't get the Stranger Things thing. I, I Maybe because this one set in the mall, and the last one was, was set in all. mall. Like,
1: it reminded me a lot of Supernatural. This was the kind of things that would happen to him on Supernatural. There would be a killer that was from 200 years ago. That like they would drive into a town. There was always a big history in the town, or something like that. So it kind of reminded me of that.
0: Yeah, I, I know the um, Leah Leah Janik was like she was going more for the tone of the of the whole Fear Street thing. But I don't know. The tone is lost to me. It's It doesn't, it just, I, I don't know if it's because since Fear Street started till now, I've seen so many horror films, you know, and so read so many things that those, it's all become just like, it, this is what it is. And you know what I mean? Like, it's nothing new. Um, I, I don't know. I guess that's just how I feel about it. I don't know what what could have been done. I think if... I I understand if, if the novel was over a thousand pages. This is like a Game of Thrones kind of thing where it's just like there's no way we're going to fit this into a two-hour movie. The books of the fucking Fear Street novels are, you know, 300 pages. <laughs> it's not like it's something that. they could have, you know, taken out of any of those novels. I would have died to have seen the cheerleader saga like I, that's like my favorite one and i i think that would have been fan fucking ta- secret bedroom i mean there are ones that hold dear you know the prom queen there are ones that are hold dear to the fair street readers that are like oh this is the one and the covers you know are just freaking beautiful i just love it and it just it, all that is lost in this in this film and i i give it
1: one Knife. Yeah, I'll go along with you. It's One Knife. There's nothing new here. We've seen this a hundred times before in the past. That That's it. There's nothing new to offer about this. It's just the same old thing you've seen a hundred times before. Just flipped around with a bigger music budget. That's it.
0: Now, if I'm 15 and I'm seeing... This is the first horror movie I've ever seen. And I'm seeing this with fresh eyes. This would probably be like the most amazing film ever. So I'm I'm looking it through these eyes that know of Fear Street and have seen, you know, plenty of horror films, and I'm like, meh. This is probably fucking fantastical for someone who has never seen, you know, a lot of horror movies or has read any of the of the novels. You just take away this is like the best movie ever. So it may be it may be four it may be five Nights for someone else.
1: No, it's not gonna be five nice. <laughs>
0: I'm trying to play devil's advocate here. I'm trying to... So if you've never seen a horror film or have read any of the Fear Street novels, this is probably going to be on your top of your list and I recommend it for you. If you have any of the knowledge of the stuff I just said, this is not going to be the movie for you. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) Stay tuned to the horror.
1: And now, folks, it's time to say goodnight. We sincerely appreciate your patronage